Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Aaron Rodgers' instant reaction. He's a New York Jet. The trade is official. He met with the media just a few minutes ago. I'm going to talk about it shortly. I have all kinds of thoughts on it. Plus, the team, I think, has to do something really bold at the draft. And an incredible anniversary marrying the worlds of the NFL and superhero movies. You're going to absolutely love it. Also, pardon our Dustin here. There's all kinds of technical crap in the basement today because... Uh, normally I work on the Omaha stuff, but today there's also the NFL stuff because I'm doing stuff from the basement for the draft. It's chaos in here. Pardon our dust. Like when you go to your favorite restaurant and they're doing a little refurbishing. It's not refurbishing. It's just extra technical stuff. And we're going to step around it. We're still going to shoot basketballs and throw darts because that's what we do here. We also go with what I love, what I hate, what's hilarious. Let's talk some Rogers. Right, so that's your perfect Aaron Rodgers media session salad, his first one as a New York Jet, because there was some smart stuff, some cool stuff, some sort of funny stuff, and some weird stuff. Don't forget the all-important weird ingredient with Rodgers. It was all of that. He shows up to the facility, he's got a Jet sweatshirt on, which just still looks strange. It's strange because the aesthetic of the Jets is green, but it's a different green than he's been wearing for 18 years, so it just looks off. And I got to tell you, his first moment as a New York Jet was rock solid. It was an 18-0 season plus a Super Bowl championship. Because as he walks through the lobby and the cameras are on him and the social media director and all the brass is there and the Johnson brothers and he's high-fiving and he's dapping, did you see the, the shake slash hug that he did with Jets head coach Robert Sala? In fact, did you hear it? Listen to this lightning bolt when these two gentlemen's hands meet up and hug it out. It's fantastic. Just roll this sucker. Oh, again. Yeah. It's like a, an Indiana Jones bullwhip. They could not have hit it more perfectly. It is full on Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Dylan, you son of a boom! It's so good. It's it's like if they had a hundred reps, you couldn't have had a better one than that. Sala just probably coming off some time in the cold plunge after a core workout and an upper body superset of decline press and Turkish get-ups and lean proteins breakfast. Rogers comes in. Bam! That is a pure. That's the sound of victory right there. One more time. Give me a couple more. Ah, oh, it's so good. Uh, so that, we're off and running. You can stop that fine. I think we get it. Um, couldn't, have, couldn't have started better. If he just decided that's it right there, I think his time with the Jets was great. It is the strongest, cleanest, purest handshake hug transition that I have ever seen. And the loudest. That's a good omen. That's a really good omen. So then he starts talking. He's got a cool haircut now. He's cleaned himself up. He gets introduced. He's all friendly and smiling and... Uh, Woody Johnson says this is a great day for the Jets, and it is. Let's listen to some of it. First of all, Aaron Rodgers on why, why he is there. Why is he in northern New Jersey as a 39-year-old quarterback? Why is he joining the Jets? Let's have a listen. And obviously, Joe has got a great track record so far of drafting 
some incredible players, uh, but it takes a system. And obviously, Robert has the uh, the right sauce. So I'm excited about getting to work with him and Brick and uh, Mark Kwan, former teammate of mine. And uh, it's a great staff. But you know, I'm an old I'm an old guy, so I want to be a part of a team that can win it all. And I believe that this is uh, a place we can get that done. So I have to say this about Rodgers. He looks really strong. He looks built. His pecs look big. His arms look big. And that falls in line with what I've been hearing is that he is working out as hard or harder than he has ever worked out in this offseason. He's way in weights, training, really intense stuff. But I almost kind of feel for him because you wouldn't be able to tell how big he is sitting between Big Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, the Hans and Franz. He looks like a six-year-old child next to head coach Michelangelo statue and Joe Douglas, who is a large man. And it's a really strange visual, but all right, so solid base. You, you show that you're an old guy and you like the sauce that Salah has and we all do. How about the, uh, how about the fan base? Jets fans sitting there watching on their phones, on TV. What did he have to say, Aaron Rodgers, new Jets quarterback, about the Jets fan base? The Jets have an incredible passionate fan base. I saw that last year at Lambeau. Obviously, you know about Fireman Ed and, and uh, uh, you know, his passion for the team. Uh, I think that's an exciting draw to this as well as being a part of something special. I grew up watching old VHS tapes of, uh, of the Super Bowls. And so obviously I know about the guarantee and, and Broadway Joe. Been a while since then. I noticed uh, walking in this morning that that uh, Super Bowl three trophy is looking a little lonely, so. So there's your headline in the New York media, the Super Bowl three trophy is looking a little lonely, and it is. You know what one of my biggest takeaways from watching this is, my God, the Jets have been bad for so long. There were multiple references to Super Bowl three. When he walks into the facility and he does that handshake with Salah, there's this massive mural of Joe Namath from 50 something years ago. It, it, his arrival and his look upon history really enunciates how bad the history is for the Jets and how badly they need someone like him to change it. Uh, the Fireman Ed piece, <laughs> how do I describe this? The Fireman Ed legacy is a complicated one among the Jets fan base. I wouldn't say he's their most beloved fan icon or the most universally popular. There was a time when he stopped going to the games and I think his explanation was the treatment of the fans there and he just couldn't do it anymore. Then he came back, if I have it right. So uh, I know why Rogers threw out Fireman Ed because he's the guy when you're not from here or part of the fan base or new to it, you say, oh, the guy in the fire hat who, uh, you know, for years would scream out to the fans. I don't know how that plays with, with Jets fans about Fireman. I don't, I don't think actually great, but you can write that off to him just being a newcomer and he'll learn. The best part of it by far, and by best I mean juiciest and the one you're tuning in to see, is listen, there's a lot of uh, Packers journalists there and Packers media members who have followed him and worked with him for years, guys and women that he knows personally for a long time. So it's the welcome to the Jets questions and it's so great, da da da, but there's also the what the hell happened with the Packers. So he gets the direct question because the Packers story in Gutekunst was like, you know, we tried to get in touch with him and Gutekunst says he hasn't talked with him in months and never got in touch with him as the Packers GM to try to make this thing happen. So Rodgers is asked about that. Like they said they tried to get in touch with you. How come you never spoke to them? Listen to this response. I don't know if I need to really get into the specifics. Um, I will say people that know me, uh, I'm fortunate to live in a, in a beautiful house 
The only downside is I have very limited cell service. So if you want to get a hold of me, I have to see your face. You got to FaceTime me. So, uh, so the only response to, to the communication thing is there's, you know, records in your phone about who called you, when, FaceTime. <laughs> and there wasn't any specific FaceTimes from any of those numbers that I was looking at. Um, that's neither here nor there because we're now we're in this position. Um, obviously, that's somehow, you know, what uh, the direction they wanted to go as far as they couldn't, the story, they couldn't get a hold of me, which led for this to, to be the case. My point was if, if there was a change that wanted to be made, uh, why wasn't that told to me early in the off season? Well, because they didn't FaceTime you. Uh, I, I love I love <laughs> the bridge between I don't want to get into specifics, okay? But I have actual phone records that I will show you. Is that too specific for you? That's great. You're gonna see that clip a lot. Next time you do, watch Douglas and Sala. They're <laughs> stone face, trying not to move a muscle in their face. That is a weird topic. So I understand, I think, what he's saying. If you believe what you hear, Rogers has a place in Malibu or something where he stays in the offseason. So, listen, if that's out on the cliffs. It looks like Tony Stark's house. I have no idea. It's up in the hills. Maybe there's not cell service there, although I would imagine that boundless millionaires and billionaires who live there would probably need to make cell calls. But couldn't you email Rogers if you want to get in touch with him? The only way to get in touch with him is a FaceTime. And isn't it a little weird that it's like, well, listen, I would have loved to talk about uh, making $60 million to continue my career with the Packers in my 19th season and be a one franchise man and stay with Green Bay and try to get this thing done. But you gotta FaceTime me, so my bad, you know, blame it on Verizon. I'm a Jet now. Strange, strange, strange. There need to be a million follow-up questions for that, and there will be. I can't wait till now when the Packers go back to Brian Gutekunst and LaFleur at Al, who are trying to get ready for the draft, and be like, yeah, so Aaron was in New York telling the largest media in the world that you didn't FaceTime him, and that you should know that, and he has the phone logs that says you never FaceTimed him. I don't know if you guys tried to text him, but maybe you got that text back with a little red exclamation point that says text couldn't be sent. Uh, maybe you have one of the green text messages or Rogers does. Maybe you guys go green because you're the Packers, but he didn't get the messages. You have to FaceTime him. Also, it is a little bit annoying to FaceTime people that like isn't, you know, I don't know, your kids or your wife or husband. How many people do you consistently FaceTime just to have a conversation? I, I almost never do. I FaceTime my kids and then like their kids to the grandparents and I facilitate that, but I don't FaceTime work people. I don't FaceTime the staff here at Kyle Brand's basement. If that's the only way to get in touch, it's kind of a big deal. Maybe you go down to the Starbucks or go down uh, down the, the mountain road to where there's a cell service when you're deciding to leave the Packers. That's an amazing explanation. So Lombardi's Getting Lonely is the headline in New York. Didn't FaceTime me is the headline in Green Bay. Either way, it's constant headlines. It's going to be nonstop. You want another headline? Zach Rosenblatt, a journalist on Twitter, he said, he talked to Sala, the head coach, tweeted, bring this up. He said, Robert Sala said Aaron Rodgers already went to a team meeting today. That's great news, right? Hold on. And he was barefoot. Why would he be barefoot? It, the team meeting is in New Jersey. He's walking around the facility barefoot. 
did they need to measure him for cleats and also socks? Or is he now cultivating some sort of barefoot thing in his age of enlightenment? But that, like, when we say Rogers and New York media, that's really going to be something. And every time it came up today, New York media as a phrase, Rogers kind of smiled. This is what we're talking about. Why would he be in his first meeting, team meeting barefoot in an indoor facility in April in New Jersey? <laughs> what? It's great. Buckle up. This is it. We, he just spoke for 17 minutes. He's been there for less than 24 hours. And we have a weird FaceTime phone record thing. We have barefoot. We have call out to the celebrity fan who is not a celebrated fan anymore. It's all kinds of things. Get ready, but folks. This is great. I loved it. I wish he had spoken for three more hours. Uh, I did love it. That's why I call it what I love. Let's move on to what I hate. Draft talk. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So draft Thursday night, I hate the state of the Patriots right now as they go into it. Does anybody need a hit more than New England Patriots in this draft? I really mean it. You look at what's going on there and you think, for the last 20 some years where Brady was gone, it was always, all the picks sort of seemed like luxuries. They had Belichick and Brady, they're always gonna be good and if they really drafted a star, well, they'll win the Super Bowl that year instead of going to the title game. It was just, that's what it was. Now it's, they need to draft a couple of stars so they can finish third in the division. It's bad. And Belichick's got to be feeling it. I mean, his, his Camelot is, is crumbling. They are sub-500 since Brady left. If the Patriots don't hit on these draft picks, if the Patriots don't hit on this season, a season in which they'll be predicted to be last in the division, and they go 6-11, and 11, what's the state then? Then it's really hot. Then it's, all right, well, Bill, like, do you still want to do this? Because the team is bad, and the team's been average at best, but mostly bad since Brady left. A, was he the reason this whole thing worked? And B, how much longer do you want to do this? Might need some fresh air into this thing. My God. Um, 14th overall pick. Do you really think they can afford to just sit there and take, I don't know, the second best corner that goes to them? Or Harris Johnson Jr., the second best tackle? And you think, all right, now they really got something there. They can beat the Bills. They can beat the Rodgers Jets. They can beat the Dolphins. You try to give Belichick his respect because of so much time doing it, but you really have to start to look at him now in a lens of not being with Brady. And that season last year was just almost nothing. It amounted to very little. Do they do something? I think they're capable of anything. The only prediction I have for the Patriots in the draft is they're not going to do nothing. I cannot see them sitting there and saying, well, 14, we'll take best guy on our board. I think anything's in play. I think moving up, way up, 
for a quarterback, I think, is in play. I think moving way up for one of the top two defensive players is in play. I think moving way back and collecting tons of picks and ending up walking away from the draft with a double-digit new players that they can just throw out there and try is in play. I really think they could do anything. Move up, move back. I was with Scott Pioli this morning who won Super Bowls as in the front office for the New England Patriots, and he says he thinks move back. Is that going to do it? Okay, great. You got a couple more second rounders and fourth rounders. The Jets just got Rodgers. You know? What are you going to get? Go get somebody incredible. Go get... Go move way the hell up for Tyree or Will Anderson, whoever. Is, don't you feel like this may be one of Belichick's last punches he's going to throw? How much longer is this guy going to do this thing? This is the one of the few shots you get to be a great, great team in this division, or even an average team. One last shot before we go off on the boat and wait the five years until you get in the Hall of Fame. Take a swing. I want them to do something bold. There are teams who need to draft people because, well, we need help in the secondary or... You know, our offensive line could use an upgrade. The Patriots are like, I don't even know what we are. We, we just let go of one of our best running backs. We're sort of a running team. We're certainly not a throwing team because we don't have any stud wide receivers. We're not even sure our quarterback is good. So Jason McCourty, who got a Super Bowl ring with the Patriots, saying, I think they should get B. John Robinson. And, and I said, well, hold on. I don't know if they can get to him at 14. Then move up to get him. If you get B. John Robinson... You at least know what the hell you are next year. You're at least an identity. And maybe you say, listen, this rookie's going to touch the ball 400 times, and Ramondre's going to touch the ball 150 times, and that's going to be our team. And we will compete with the high-flying Bills, the Rodgers Jets, and the Mike McDaniel Miami offensive machine by just running it. Blunt force trauma. Remember their last Rocky movie that Rocky boxed in? It was the one where he fought Antonio Tarver, Mason the Line Dixon, and it was getting just ludicrous that Sylvester Stallone was still in the ring fighting. I remember his camp gets, gets together with him, it's Duke and it's Paulie and everybody, and they're like, look, you're old as hell, you got calcium deposits in your knees, you got no flexibility, you got no quickness, you got no speed, so what we're going to do is blunt force trauma. And they just had Rocky just lift all these heavy weights and just turn into this big meathead and try to throw big powerful punches. I think that's the idea with Belichick. You're not suddenly gonna find a Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill or Aaron Rodgers or Garrett Wilson. And even if you find a Garrett Wilson this year's draft, you don't have a quarterback to throw to him. I don't know, go with a big old running game. Hopefully the defense gets better with some other guys you get. And my God, I just don't see it. I, I can't see the Patriots mattering if they just take some pick and they have a stock draft and the mock drafts are mostly right about them. Do something nuclear, move way up. Get Anthony Richardson. Get Tyree from Texas Tech. Get somebody. Get anybody who's going to take the defibrillator paddle to this team because this is the great American dynasty of the 21st century. I, I don't really want to see it just sparkle and fade and circle the drain because they just ran out of gas, didn't have enough good players. If you're going down, swing out of your shoes for a five foot, 500 foot home run. I think they're going to do something really bold. The only thing I know is they won't do nothing. Patriots tomorrow night, watch them. We have a very important anniversary to get to, though. Let's get to what's hilarious. Uh, it's a very important anniversary uh, for the greatest spoiler in spoiler history. A few years back, uh, we were wrapping up the massive, ultra-bloated, trillion-dollar Avengers movie franchise with the last movie in the franchise, 
Avengers Endgame. It was and became the biggest movie in history, the highest grossing movie in history. It was the massive of all time. And months and months and months in, in, the, in the making and years really um, before the Avengers Infinity War, the first part of the finale ends, it's kind of a cliffhanger and all these characters die and they turn to ash and they go away and then they just made us wait. And so when Avengers Endgame was coming out, oh my God, this is the biggest movie ever. And there were campaigns in which they would have Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans and all of them do basically internet public service announcements saying, hey, if you see the movie, don't spoil it for anybody. Let's all keep it between us and let's be Avengers and let's not spoil it. Don't tell anybody. And these are just regular people who go and see the movie. Don't tweet that this happens. It was a whole campaign they spent so much money on. If you think of the studios and all the resources and they started years earlier with Iron Man 1. And finally, here comes our grand finale, Avengers Endgame. And of all people, Retired NFL running back LaShawn McCoy sees an early screening and immediately gets out of the theater and tweets, Iron Man dead. <laughs> R.I.P. my dog Tony Stark. It was tweeted on 4-26-19, guys. Today is 4-26-2023. I love that it was at 2.20 p.m. So I believe he went and saw a matinee on Friday or whatever it was, the first day that it came out. So he's in early. Most people have tickets. If it's, he's out at 2.20, most people are seeing it at 7.20, 9.20. They can't wait. They got their Thor costume on and they got their hammer and they got their shield. They're, it's so not subtle. He couldn't have been like, whoa, end of, Iron, end of uh, Avengers was crazy. Didn't expect that character to die. That's fine. He just says, Iron Man dead. What? Tony Stark, R.I.P. my dog, Tony Stark. It's so good for the entire fall shows. If you listen after, on the Sunday shows, we used it as a category for the R.I.P. my dog, Tony Stark player tweet of the day. Um, and if you think that he's like, whatever, I'm talking about Shady, no big deal. I asked him about it in 2020 and he had like a very, very heavy, dramatic answer. Here's me talking to LaShawn McCoy about him spoiling the, fi the final installment of the Avengers franchise Avengers Endgame. Here's what he said. That was the worst decision of my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like, um, so when, when uh, at the Super Bowl, um, Ant Man, he runs on the field, right? We're talking, he's like, hey, she, this and that, you know, talking to each other. And my son, he, he's on my shoulders. I'm like, Sean, you know what this is? It's Ant Man. Now, my son is extremely smart, right? He loves, like, all the cartoons, all the Marvel films. So there's times we ask me the same question over, over and over. Daddy, do you think that Iron Man can beat Spider-Man? Like, you know, so we go watch the movie. Because I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with this. I mean, when I was a kid, I watched, like, the, the, the Marvel films. I, I mean, I'm 31. I, I don't really watch it like yeah. I used to. But I didn't know that people watch it like that. So when we go watch the, the movie, he's like, oh, now Iron Man and Spider-Man was like my favorite guys growing up. So he's like the whole time, oh, my God. He's loud in the movie theater. So when we get out, I, I'm tweeting, we're talking. We play this game where like I, I interview him after everything. So he has a football game, I interview him. You know, he talks his trash. Uh -huh. Yeah, they couldn't stop me today. LaShawn McCoy's song was too good. You got to hear him. This kid is crazy, right? So I'm interviewing him about the, the, the uh, movie. <laughs> And, and we talked back and forth, and then I tweeted it, just having fun. But I didn't know, like, the, the, the reaction of the people. I didn't know that. If I knew that, I would have never tweeted that. I, I didn't know that people um, really uh -huh. got into them, them, them cartoons like that. 
It's, it's rough, and it comes from his kid. He went on to say he was in the grocery store once, and an old lady came up to him and said, Are you the Sean McCoy? Yeah, how you doing? And he said, That was terrible what you did. You ruined that for my grandson. <laughs> he told that story. <laughs> Just awful. I love this shade. He's like, I didn't know people liked these movies. You, you don't? <laughs> it's, it's the biggest things ever. It's, it's a fairly large thing, and also shady, like... It's really big amongst NFL players who are constantly referencing the movies, dressing like the characters in the movies, comparing their skills to the characters in the movies' skills. That's okay. I don't want to break Shady over the coals for this. It's just funny. It's the anniversary. Biggest spoiler tweet of all time. Can you imagine Chris Evans and, and, and Scarlett seeing this tweet? This was just, this was captured after the 37.5 retweets. Bookmark, people are bookmarking it. <laughs> Uh, it's the best, and I will always think it is funny that he did that. He was so naive about what people mattered. I mean, people were really upset that they found out that Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Tony Stark was just dead at the end of the movie. You might be upset right now, years later, and haven't seen it. Sorry. Uh, but it begs the question, as it often does here in the basement, what is something that was spoiled for you that you cannot get over? What is it? You had answers. I'll have responses. Here we go. What is something that was spoiled for you? Jay Sequela, uh, let's just get right to it. Maybe the biggest one ever, The Sixth Sense. Jay Sequela says, I took my mom to lunch once a week back in the day. She and my stepdad just saw the movie that week it came out and she was telling me how good it was and I needed to see it. Then her coworker says, yeah, I never realized he was dead until the end. Shut up. The worst. See, The Sixth Sense was 99, and it was a massive, massive hit, but there's no social media back then. Not even close, in fact. Social media didn't get massive until maybe a decade later. So the, the, the spoiler climate was, was much different. I had one of the biggest parts of Pulp Fiction spoiled for me when I was in high school and I was pissed because there was just some idiot next to me in class who said it. I, I, I sympathize with Jay Sequela, the mom's co-worker. Next, let's hit the big ones. Let's just bring them in. Pat all day says, oh, Sopranos finale. Okay. Said Pat was, says, was studying abroad at the time, so I had to try to avoid spoilers for six weeks. Didn't work. Yeah, I mean, you, that's even, again, that's, that's a pre-social media deal, but it was the biggest show on television. It was that, and it was lost. What's interesting about the Sopranos finale is that what could they spoil for you? We don't even really know necessarily what happened. I guess they could have said, yeah, they played Journey, and then it went to black, and Meadow didn't know how to park. But there's other things in the finale to other characters that are really traumatic, you know, all pretty much the whole crew. But so that one could be worse. Next, Sopranos, we had Sixth Sense. Cheyenne Johnson says, someone spoiled Joffrey's death for my wife. He's talking Game of Thrones. A book reader like me who hadn't watched the show yet asked me, has Joffrey died yet? My wife was next to me. Season four was about to premiere, facepalm. The book readers were insufferable during the Game of Thrones run. Just insufferable. They were so excited that they had read the books. They were willing to tell you all the things left out of the shows that were in the books. And in this case, there's, oh yeah, have you gotten to Joffrey's death yet? Also known as the Purple Wedding. I guess, listen, I'll say it could be worse. They, the Red Wedding would have been uh, even worse as a spoiler than the Purple Wedding, which is Joffrey's death. So it's, it's not great, but it could have been worse. Next, we're hitting all the big ones. These are greatest sets of spoilers. Oh, this is interesting. CJ says, my in-laws, his, his, his worst uh, spoiled thing ever, my in-laws telling my entire family that my wife and I are pregnant via group text. Ugh. Didn't have the opportunity to tell my own family we were expecting our first child. Idiots. Especially the first child. Candidly, 
Second one's pretty special because, oh, we're going to, my first child's going to be a big brother. After that, I don't think it matters all that much. The first one is very special. We told my parents at this candlelight dinner in downtown Chicago right on the river and we got up and hugged and they cried. I'm trying to think of my in-laws who are brilliant people would never do that. <laughs> and text the whole family, here we got a baby coming. Should I buy blue or pink? The worst. That I'm getting secondhand anxiety just thinking about it. Next, what is the biggest things that ever been spoiled for you? This person, Jackson, says, not me personally, but I worked at a single screen movie when I, The Force Awakens dropped. Okay, so episode seven. Had two kids yelled to the entire lobby, Han Solo dies. He says, I chased after the kids and struck fear in their hearts and banned them for life. Then he goes, absolutely did not have that power. I get it. There is a viral video from years ago when the Half-Blood Prince came out, the Harry Potter book, and these idiots rode, drove past the Borders or Barnes & Noble, which were still big at the time, and there's 50,000 kids and you know a lot of little kids in line to buy the book. They had already found, bought it and read it, and these idiots drive by in their truck with their camcorder rolling, and they go... Snape kills Dumbledore! Snape kills Dumbledore! And these people start screaming and crying. It's a terrible video. I like being an idiot. I like, I used to like the show Jackass. That crosses the line. Next, let's get a couple more in here. What's something that's been spoiled for you in honor of our four year anniversary of LaShawn McCoy spoiling the entire Avengers franchise? Starduster says, I was in the third grade when The Empire Strikes Back was released. Oh, that's probably the all timer. Being from a small town, it didn't open here right away. I went on a trip with my father and it was playing there. Upon return, or upon return in front of my class, I said, Darth Vader is Luke's father. It was me. I spoiled it. Starduster, why do I feel like you're, you're proud of that? And why do you refer to your dad as your father? Like, what's going on there? I went on a trip with my father and it was playing there. Is that because you feel like you're Luke and he was Darth? I don't know. Either way, I like the contribution but that was a jerk move for you, nonetheless, even if you were in third grade. Darth Vader is Luke's father. That's probably the all-time, right? I think that's the number one. And that movie came out, oh, come on, 81? Um, certainly no social media. Very, very little media in general, but that's a rough one. I still think this takes the cake. Because if you could do, hey, if you could just tweet, Darth Vader is Luke's father, and tweet that, that's pretty much what he did. Bruce Willis is dead for entire film. R.I.P. to my dog, Bruce Willis. <laughs> I don't know what that character's name is, Dr. Something. Shady, we love you. Your electric personality, I think, on Fox Sports. And uh, I've worked with you several times. I still think as an amazing as runner as you were and the greatest snow running back in all time, this is a part of your legacy. And, and it, it cracks me up. I love you, Shady. Uh, you guys crack me up, too. I will... Uh, great contributions. Great tweets. I'm going to throw a dart. Let's go to Skycam. Let me step around the... National Football League camera and monitor and wires. And it takes a village to talk about the draft as it happens, which I'll be doing tomorrow night uh, for the NFL. The number today of the, uh, did I get in? Yeah. All right. This is great, guys. Topic number one. Topic number one, if you please, is favorite teacher or professor. <sighs> professor Snape. Professor Snape. If you want my actual teacher, I'm just going to do it right here. My actual teacher was uh, uh, Mr. Fennessy, who was my senior year in high school English teacher. Great guy. Very original. Very fearless. Used to show us movies, have us read cool books. Loved Barbara Streisand. I love Mr. Fennessy. But Separate Snape put it all on the line. Bravest man the Harry Potter's ever known. Uh, and I'm sure that um, 
who would have been spoiled if there was Twitter when the book came out. I read the books, loved it. I didn't, you know, Alan Rickman's portrayal of it is iconic in a way, but he actually kind of did it as humorous and he was this sort of campy over the top, like uh, a new celebrity. But if you read the books, and I'm being book guy now, Snape is just the cold-blooded, complete human uh, snake. He really is the worst. Rickman gives him a little charm. But that's the show today, guys. You guys give it a little charm with your contributions. Aaron Rodgers, Patriots better hit on the draft, and LaShawn McCoy, RIP, my dog, Tony Stark. I'm not even riding the Peloton today. There's too much junk in here, but I did throw a dart over it. Uh, like, subscribe, share, tweet, post, review, all of those things that you do. Tell your mom about the show. Tell your kids about the show. And we'll be back tomorrow, which is NFL Draft Day, and we'll be back the day after that. We're always here, guys. In the meantime, exit through the garage, close the door on your way out. See you tomorrow.